podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I got social soul on my true collective ball. Famous, social famous, number one, desirable. I do what I want, when I want, and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the yeah, air, that's how I want I'm Sai, welcome to Age Podcast Nation, and this is the home of our originally created series, My Story. We're now into the third season, and as I've said many a time, the reason I love this series is because no matter who the person is, no matter who we're talking to, they've always got a story to tell and their memories to share, as it were. But as you know by now, Age Podcast Nation, you're home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. We do loads of live content, loads of recorded content in studio, online, whatever you like. We've usually got you covered. And of course, if you prefer your podcast in audio platform, uh, audio work, fuck's sake, in audio, I'm going to start that bit again. If you prefer your podcast in audio form, then you can check out the My Story series and all our other series at uh, the Sports Social Podcast Network. They've all got their own separate little feeds, loads of different guests and conversations to be had. And, of course, the video versions, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. And uh, there's a lot to go around. Lots of people we've talked to, regular shows with Rodri Giggs, uh, Danny Batten, and uh, MMA football, film, bands, anything. Pretty much anyone, even doctors are in there as well. But uh, the My Story series is unique as we take our guests through their life from starting with their upbringing, their career, uh, and into their career, should I say. We've had uh, across the two or three series so far, we've had actors, bands, footballers, fighters, uh, athletes, DJs, so much more. Um, Of course, we've had a couple of rappers recently as well, which has been a lot of fun. I'd like to vary it up on this series, and uh, today is no different, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by uh, none other than uh, Mr. Grant Reese Murphy, who is a, a director and an, and an actor, of course, the star of uh, UK film Brumville, which is now on Amazon Prime. Well, uh, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Soy. It's uh, great to be on here and uh, speak to you today. Good man. I um, Do you know, that's the first time in about 600 shows or something, that I've messed up any part of that intro. I literally know it off by heart, pretty much. Like, but I paraphrase this, so it's slightly different each time. But like, I I know it, so I, I've never messed it up. I messed it up. I can't believe it. Absolutely devastated. I was on like a, on a run of like 500 of the episodes without having to edit it whatsoever. But there we go. Here's what it is, I suppose. It happens um, to the best of us, man. <laughs> 
shout out to Jamie who's about to, who's going to take that out so people who are watching will not have a clue what we're on about. But there we go. <laughs> um, Happy days. That's it. Um, now it's good to have you on, mate. I've been looking forward to uh, having a chat. And um, yeah, it's just good. I've um, obviously I think I came I came across the Drumville. Um, I think I followed their account anyway, and then they put up something last week um, just saying that it was on Amazon Prime now to watch. Um, and I kind of hit them up and said, "Oh, you know, if you want to have someone on, or if, if we can get someone on to talk about it, I think um, I'm always looking for guests." And then they kind of put you me your way, so I'm I'm excited to talk to you because I, I I have seen the film and I think I enjoyed it. I think it's pretty good. I like the way it's kind of shot and stuff, and I like the story. I think it's quite cleverly done. Um, but we will talk about that in a bit more detail and kind of the ins and outs because obviously you, as well as styling in it. Uh, you directed it, so we will we will get there. Um, but before we get to that, I'd like to let our viewers, our listeners, get a feel for the guests, get to know them a little bit first. So, kind of take us right back to the start and the upbringing for you, and what what was it like for the for the early days for for Grant? The early days were uh, <laughs> they were quite crazy, to be honest with you. Um, I've had a very how can I describe it? I've had a very diverse upbringing. I've done a lot of different things. Um, I grew up on a council estate. Um, I used to ride motorbikes on the field. <laughs> um, had a little police chase when I was a kid. Um, I hung about with so many different people. Um, and there were people who hung about with who went the wrong ways in life, people who went the right ways in life. Um, mm -hmm. But I like the fact that I've been around a lot of different people from an early age. So that's that's kind of how I've been like decent at acting. I've been around a lot of different people in different scenarios and situations. And I just I understand roles a lot better because of that as well, because of life experiences. Yeah, it's interesting that is because um, well, there's a couple of things which stood out for me for the last straight away. First thing you said about like being with people um, from different kind of walks of life who go, some go the right way, some go the wrong way. Obviously, yeah. with Brumville, which we'll talk about in a bit, the, the three friends who films, you know, sort of focus or part of the film focuses on, they're a bit like that as well. You obviously got the one who's a, like an accountant and sort of more well-spoken, if you like, and, and kind of that side of things. And then the other two are a bit more the other way. It's, um, so that's quite interesting that there's kind of a correlation between yourself and that, but also... Uh, I, I kind of relate to that as well. Like I've hung around with all sorts of people over the years from all different walks of life. I've got lots of different friends these days, which, you know, uh, from different industries and different places and stuff. And yeah, people veer off, particularly when you're younger, they veer off and people make decisions, don't they? And, and those decisions sometimes can, uh, you know, sometimes they can make you, sometimes they can unfortunately be, you know, the the beginning of, not, I don't want to say ruining your life, but they can certainly cause problems in your early years and, and as you grow into a, a more mature adult and stuff. Like, where did things change for you then, do you think? So you said, like, you were perhaps getting into a bit of trouble and doing certain things when you were younger. Where did you, did you make, like, a conscious decision to go away from that stuff? Or did you, was there a particular incident? Um. See, with myself, I always knew from a young age, so I was named after um, Grant Mitchell in EastEnders. Uh, mm -hmm. I used to love Grant in EastEnders. Um, I love watching. That's what I mean. He's brilliant. When he, I, I, obviously, I was named after him as well. Um, 
I love watching Van Damme films. I wanted to have a good body like Van Damme and Arnold. That's I always wanted to be that person, like like a leading guy, rip, mm. big bulging muscles. That was always the dream. Um, and I used to love reading in in nursery. I was always better than all the the other kids at reading. I just picked it up straight away because uh, my mom was good at English as well. Um, so that was always in my head. Um, I always used to pester my mom to take me to drama school. Um, but look, we didn't have much money, so she couldn't uh, afford to get me in anywhere because they were very expensive when I was a kid. There wasn't cheap, the good drama schools and stuff or mm. classes or whatever it was. So um, I never got the opportunity to, to go into it or anything. There was no there was no platform for me into it at that, that age. Um, so, yeah, as I say, I'm about on a council estate. Um, I chilled with various people. I loved playing football all the time. Um, luckily, I never got I never got caught um, when I was riding motorbikes and stuff. So that was kind of a bonus, really. I was fortunate not to not to really get get caught for anything, you know, bad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do anything super like... bad anyway. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I never done major drugs. I I used to smoke uh, cannabis, uh, but I've never gone any further than that, really. So always had my head screwed on. Always got it drummed into me. Never do serious drugs. Um, you know, don't smoke. I've never really been a a, a a proper like you know a cigarette smoker because it was drummed into me from an early age. Um, and yeah, I just, when did it change me really? I'd, I'd say, cause there's so much I've done in life. To, like I'd be there for hours explaining. So I'm going to try and be quick because I don't want to drag it on yeah. all day. Um, but yeah, basically. So, um, I left school at 14 years old. I never got, um, no GCSEs. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I dropped out of school and then I went back to college I'd done like uh, brickwork, carpentry, paint, decorating, and I'd done OCR grades through college. So that was like a makeup for my GCSEs. Um, so I went on and done that. Uh, worked at McDonald's for two years. Um, and then after McDonald's, I went into a foundry. And that was one of the hardest jobs I've ever done in my life. Quite low pay, but good pay as a young lad at 19. Um, so yeah, I was just basically going from job to job, from foundry to foundry, not really enjoying it. And I always wanted to do acting and I always had like this deep inner drive inside of me. It's like uh, people used to try and put me down in factories and stuff and say, you'll never do this. You'll never do that. So I used to be, uh, there's a, there's a phrase called cag handed. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, no. It's the way you hold things. When I was a kid, I used to always struggle to hold things. I'd have to find my own way to hold things. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I always had to find my own way to hold, hold stuff and I always knew that I could do something. It's just when people put me down, it, it put me off and made me lose confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always had an in, inner drive in me that said, I'm going to show these people I'm going to be something. I can I can do something. So that was kind of that inner drive. I read um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, where he come from and what he achieved. And that just really released that inner drive inside of me. And I thought, you know what? If Arnold could do it, why can't I do it? So I literally, I got on Star now. I started applying for castings. Then I got headshots done. Started getting more castings because of that. And I just thought, I'm going to smash this industry. I'm going to smash it and nothing's going to stop me. And uh, yeah, I've just gone from there, really. That's that's how I become an actor, in short. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, um, I find it really interesting because, so with like, with um, that podcasting, and kind of broadcasting and, and YouTube and things like that. I put it off for like almost year after year doing it. I was like, um, I'm, I'm, I could do that. I want to do that. 
I'm going to do that. But I'd always find a reason not to start. It's like, oh, I'll start it next week or I'll start tomorrow or I will do it, but not now. And then eventually I got to a point where I think like my mental health and I was in pain and it was just kind of all in the toilet. And I was like, you know, I'm just doing it. And I literally just set it up there and then. And I think there's something to be said, like, you know, when people say like, oh, if you want to do something, do it. If you if you just believe you can do it, you can. And I think there's something to be said for if you want to do whether it's acting or YouTube or football or just whatever you want to be a football coach or you want to go in whatever you want to do in whatever industry, whatever job, if you want to do it, don't think about doing it. Just do it. Just go log onto the internet now, get the ball rolling. So if you want to train to be whatever, a carpenter, go and log in and just do it. Because once you start that ball rolling and the email comes back and says, oh, do you want this place in this college? Or do you want to, do you want these headshots done? Or do you want this guest for your podcast? Whatever. Once those things start coming to you, it's rolling then and you're, and you're in it. And I think, unfortunately, and I was so guilty of this myself, like people put stuff off, not because they don't want to do it. It's, I think a lot of it is belief and confidence and, and just thinking, so like in your head, psych- psychologically, you're thinking, I could do that. Like I'm capable of doing that. But then you also view people, may whether it's on TV or whatever, and you think, oh, you know, I could do that. But then you, you kind of put them on a pedestal because they're on your TV. But really, yeah. just do it. And I think that's my, that's what I keep trying to say. I've got three teenage boys and I keep trying to say to them all the time, like, the oldest one's 17 and he's in sixth form now. And I'm like, mate, whatever you want to do, just do it. So if you want to go to university, get the stuff, be ready, know what you want to do and just do it. If you don't know what you want to do, that's fine as well. But like, you don't have to kind of just wait and then do it. If you want to do it, then do it. Like he wanted to do his football, like coaching badges. And he was like, oh, I'll do them after sixth form and this. And I was like, well, mate, send him an email and see if you can do it now, it, whether it's in, because it's not a full-time course, which is going to be every day. It's like a you know, once every couple of weeks or whatever, a day here, a day there. So do it. Don't put it off. But sounds like you, that's what you did. You sounds like really, you already had the the drive and the ambition to go into that industry. And then one day you were just like, right, here we go. I'm doing it and nothing's going to stop me. What were those... Like, I'm assuming at some point you would have had knockbacks and things which kind of tried to slow you down. Was there any in particular which you took to heart or maybe you found more difficult than others where you were a bit like, is this going to happen and stuff like that? Um, Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, to be honest, the biggest knockback I had at the time was was my friends. I used to knock about with a bunch of lads and and there was, you know what lads are like, but there was constant, like, you know, Tech the pee all the time, and yeah. they'd be like, "Oh, you, you ain't you ain't gonna get in Emmerdale and Ellie Oaks and all this stuff and and, and laugh and stuff." And uh, you know what? I, I I just thought I'm getting rid of these. Like I thought I don't need I don't need negative people around me. I need positive, upbeat, good people. So I just never spoke to them again. And um and yeah, that was kind of obviously when you're chilling with people like that, that's your friends. You, you, they're supposed to be supportive, and yeah. uh, and there wasn't. Um, so that was a bit of a knockback and um, I'm just trying to think really I mean agents I haven't got an agent now myself um, I remember there's a particular agent I really tried to sell myself to her um, when I done my audition I kept following up with emails 
and um it was just this the same old thing uh of you know i'd love to take you on but i've just got too many clients and uh that was a, a big knockback to be honest because i looked and i thought a, a lot of the other clients and stuff have, have been in big stuff before they signed with her or or they um they they went to drama school or something along them lines and got picked out there and i thought that avenue wasn't there for me and it kind of annoyed me um because i know i'm versatile and i know i'm capable and i mean um look what i've achieved i've, I've made my own film and i directed it produced it edited it etc um the work ethics there the drives there i think the talents there as well i don't i don't want to blow my own trumpet but yeah, that, that annoyed me really. The, the whole industry annoys me a, a lot, to be honest, but I just get on with what I've got to do and follow follow what, uh, the path that I'm taking and believe in what I'm doing. So, do you know, I, like for someone from the outside, um, I could see why people get frustrated with the acting or the entertainment industry, TV and film and stuff, because it feels much like uh, broadcasting generally. It feels very much like a closed shop almost. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you look at it and you think, I look at some films which get made. I look at some people who get TV jobs and radio jobs and stuff like this. And I think the only reason you've got them, you're getting those jobs is because of who you know, not necessarily because you're the right person for it. And look, don't get me wrong. There's loads of super talented people working within broadcasting film tv in particularly in britain loads of them loads of really talented people but there's also a massive undercurrent of super talented actors writers broadcasters who don't get a look in because they're not friends with the right people so they don't get a chance yeah. like uh just very quickly i had um so I had, like I said to you just before we went on there, um, I used to do a show, a football show with Andy Campbell. He used to play football for Middlesbrough. And then um, I know for a fact that there was at least one, probably two broadcasters who looked at it um, for a radio show. And it kind of, there was like a little bit of back and forth, but nothing, nothing concrete. And look, I get it. We were like, I hadn't been doing podcasting long or anything. And um but then I also say, and I say the same about the show I do with Rodri, I put our football podcast up against any football show or podcast in the world because Rodri's excellent. His analysis is top-notch. He's always honest, no matter if it's someone he knows, if he's talking about his brother, if he's talking about United and, you know, like I say, people he knows, he'll always give an honest opinion. He's also very funny. Um <clears throat> And I also know that I'm capable of hosting and I'm capable of hosting as just relaxed like this and having a conversation. Or I'm also capable of being a bit more, you know, formal and hitting my marks and all the, you know, all the shit you need to do. But like, mm -hmm. we we didn't get looking because it was just a small, and it still is, a small YouTube channel. Whereas I see other bigger YouTube channels, fan channels, who I believe and not as good in terms of their ability to host and interview people and give analysis, but they are on Sky Sports News and Sky Sports and all these things just because they've got a big following. And I'm yeah. like, to me, you know, I could go and get a big following by saying controversial stuff, for the, which I don't believe, by the way, just to hit clicks. But I 
because I care about the channel and I care about if I'm going to say something, I'm going to put myself out there. It's going to be the truth and it's going to yeah. be what I believe. I'm not just going to say something because I know it's going to get me thousands of views or millions of views because I don't believe in that. Like I believe in my, I believe in first the product that we produce, but I also believe in being true to yourself. And I believe that eventually, whether it takes 20 years or five years or a couple of months, people will see that, that realness and that honesty. And then I'll be able to grow it from that rather than the negative side of things. And I think it sounds as if you in the same within acting and, uh, and film and TV, like you believe in yourself, you made that film, you directed it, you edited it, you starred in it. Like you brought that to life with your own belief in yourself. And I think, If you keep that belief because of the talent that you've got, eventually it will happen for you. And I think, like, when I say it'll happen for you, like, you know, bigger things will happen for you. It's just unfortunate that there's like a a closed shop, if you like. And it shouldn't be that way. Like, I don't, I, and I don't understand it. And I know I've just wrapped it on for a couple of minutes. So, so I apologize for that. But like, no, I the, thing I, don't, everybody. <laughs> the thing I, the thing I don't get about it, right, is, if I owned um, a radio station, if I owned Sky, if I owned this, that, whatever, film companies, stuff like this, like I would be on the lookout for the most talented people who aren't necessarily well known, who aren't, mm. you know, who haven't necessarily already, you know, starring in Hollywood blockbusters or got their own shows on Talk Sport or Sky Sports or whatever, because I want to find and help the next. The next, uh, not the next big thing, but like I want to help talented people. Um, And I I don't know, it's it's strange to me that it's such a closed shop. Look, it's not the only industry that's like that. There's plenty of industries like that, even not necessarily in like the, for lack of a better word, like celebrity industry, if you like, like just run of the mill day jobs. Some places are like that. You go, it's who you know, not necessarily how good you are at your job. It's true. It is true. It is like that. Um, I think. I think for me, with age, I've come to that point now where I, I love acting. I don't. I don't really want to be like super known. To be honest, like I don't mm. want to be like a Brad Pitt. Really, as a kid, that's that's exactly what I wanted. I want to be the man. But now I kind of I've come to that point where I don't really care now. I'm happy to just do what I'm doing and just make. I want to make good films and continue to just act. I'm not really bothered about getting a massive following, so to exactly, speak. Yeah. I just want people to enjoy my work. That's the way I look at it now. And I kind of, I'm not, before this is all I used to like, like concentrate on. I just spend all my time just looking at like castings, sending emails. And I'm not really like that no more. I'm kind of, I'm I'm content with what I'm doing. And I still do like normal engineering work and stuff as well. Um, So for me, like I say, I'm happy to just make films, act. And um, I'm not really bothered if a casting director Gives, gives me that big opportunity no more. Do you know what I mean? I've kind yeah. of like, I kind of just think I don't really forward. care. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not bothered. In a way, I just, I think if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. I know I can make my own work. Um, and that's what I want to do really more. So, I mean, obviously I want to, I want to get good parts in good film, work with good directors, etc. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not like I used to be towards it. I don't think definitely. But I think it can be stressful, can't it? If like, because you want to succeed in whatever you're doing. Of course you do, but it can be stressful then if you feel like um, 
your path to doing or being successful is being blocked for whatever reason. It can yeah. be stressful and it can take a toll on you and it can, you know, it can cause issues and stuff. And I think like you've got the right attitude now. And I think the other thing as well is for something which I realized quite recently is I was talking to a friend of mine, um, shout out to Joe over on Experience Real um, channel. He, um, we were just talking and I was like, do you know what I would, I would, because I'd, I'd recently interviewed a couple of um, rappers who I just kind of got to know and stuff. And I was really kind of interested in, in the whole scene in Wales, like the hip hop scene in Wales and grime and stuff and how it, there was like this massive undercurrent of really super talented guys, but out, outside of maybe one or two, nobody was really fully aware of like how good some of these guys were. And I was like, I want to make, I would love to make, I was like, what? so what I said, I said, Oh, one day I'd like to make a documentary about the Welsh hip hop scene, the history of it, the talent and blah, blah, blah. And then as we were kind of talking, I was like, well, hang on a minute. Why don't I just do it? Why do you need to wait for someone else to, to, you know, why do you have to wait for someone else to come and fund it or whatever, or to or direct it or tell you what to do? Like get some cameras, you're used to hosting, you know the people. So just go and do it. You know how to edit to a certain level. You've also got friends who can do it at a better level. Like why wasn't so? And then I suddenly I was. It kind of dawned on me that um, you could do it. Use your own platform. Doesn't matter how big or small it is. If you're passionate about something and you've got the the tools to do it, or you can get the tools to do it, just do it. And I think um, how did um, so was Brumville the first film you made? Yeah. It was the first year feature film. Um, I'd done a few little micro shorts, but I didn't really want to do them, to be honest. Um, I just wanted to do a feature film. I wasn't interested in doing shorts. Um, I don't really watch shorts, to be honest. If someone sends me a link and someone's been in a short film, I'll watch it. And it's not to discredit people who make short films. It's just I want to watch a full film. That's just my preference. I don't don't act in short films neither, really, unless um, it's like No Dog I starred in with uh, Todd Von Joel and Jamie Winston. Shout out to those two. Um, that was a short film with the potential of it being a feature, so that's why I've done that particular one. But uh, other than that, really, I don't, I don't tend to do them. I um, I find it's a weird thing, and it's probably to do with me rather than the product. I find short films frustrating. So I've watched a couple where I, like you say, like I might know the people in it, or yeah. or someone who I know has been involved in it, and they'll send it, and I'll watch it, and you know. There's been some I've watched. I forget the name of it now. There was one I watched fairly recently, um, and it was only about 12 minutes, 15 minutes long, something like that. And I found it frustrating because it was so good, but it was just over. It was like, it was almost like a teaser for a, it wasn't like in the 15 minutes, you know, they told the story and then it was finished. So you had like, you were kind of just getting into it and then, It didn't go anywhere because it was a short and it was like, obviously, I would say, th- I think it was made with the thought of hopefully someone will pick it up. And I hope someone does yeah. because the people were involved, you know, they were super talented and stuff. But it's like, so I can understand why people don't want to make the shorts and stuff like that. But I also think it's a good way in that to make like a, it's like a pilot for a TV show, I guess. If you can Definitely. get something out there which tells the basic premise. And I mean, over the last couple of years, we've seen a few TV shows 
like mainstream TV shows created on the back of you like YouTube trailers and stuff like that. Um, there's like that Bel Air TV show now, which is based on um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but it's like a serious version of it. That was made when because the per- the guy who created it made like a, a he made a trailer specifically just for the you know making the trailer rather than than an episode. And then it got spotted by people and, you know, went viral and whatever. And and there's another one. There's a Scooby-Doo one and stuff, like a live-action, serious Scooby-Doo uh, TV show now. And it's like, there's something to be said for short films and teasers and trailers, I think, because I think you can get, you know, you can get people to see it who maybe wouldn't see your work otherwise, if that makes sense. But Yeah, definitely. It's, it's difficult. Um if I gave you the choice and said, right, for the rest of your life, you cannot act or you cannot make films, which one would you choose to keep? I think I'd stay acting, to be honest. As look, as, as much as I love making films, it's all about the acting for me, I think. Because my performance is like, well, myself as an actor, I've just grown. Like, I can remember when I first started acting, I sucked and I thought I was amazing. I knew mm-hmm. I was, but I just... I, I couldn't do it like I just it was harder than I thought it would have been but I knew it was there and I can't I think I kind of took it a bit for I got a lead role in a feature film my first uh, bit of serious acting and the script was massive and I thought oh I'll just take my time with the lines and then when it got to set I remembered after the script and I had to work um in one night I had to learn the whole script pretty much like because it was like mad filming scenes with big heavy dialogue mm. and uh that that kicked me up the arse to to get my brain into gear and yeah, I just I just got better from there. So for me, it's, it's the acting, man. I, I love the the growth that I've that I've got as an actor. How difficult is it to learn lines and stuff? Because um, like my memory is shot to pieces, and I often like look at people, and and I know some people they'll learn every word of the script, not even just their lines. They'll learn they'll learn other people's lines as well. Um, but then you know, there's I know a there's probably actors around who don't necessarily learn their lines and they'll, they'll learn the majority of them, but then they'll end up having to get a lot of help as they're filming. Like how difficult is it to learn, you know, if you're a a main character and you're in a film, like how difficult is it to learn all those lines? Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, on that first, on that first film I'd done, uh, it it was hard really, because like I said, I kind of took it, took it, you know, for granted a bit, I thought, yeah, I'll smash it, and and I didn't, and I did have to work seriously hard to to learn those lines in that night, and that's what the producer of the film said as well. He said, "Can't can't knock you," you know what I mean? Like you've mm. you've literally just smashed all them lines in your head. We was running them all night, like because uh, I was staying with the producer and uh, one of the actors. We run lines all night because it was my it was my fault anyway. I should have learned them anyway, but yeah, I was doing it for free, so he was kind of, and I was working at the time. I was really busy, so he understood excuse me um so yeah now um i can learn lines quite quick now and what i tend to do is um i'll learn the other actors ending line most of the time i just listen to what they're going to say on the end so i know my cue um but yeah i don't I don't really struggle with them no more um i remember when i went on stage one time i forgot my lines in my head and i was like what am i going to do i'm coming out now and i can't remember my lines and i was like i'm just gonna have to wing it and and uh, improv and I come out on stage and I just smashed it. My lines just come out and 
it was my first time on stage. The adrenaline was, like, my heart was pumping. And I was like, I don't want to mess up, man. But mm. now I, uh, I don't know, right? And I'm a lot better now in my lines, really. And the thing with me, with me is as well, I'm like, I'll drum these lines in my head. I'll keep working to the early hours till they're in my head and they're solid in my head. Like, like I'll just keep going over and over and over again. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm not messing my lines, no way. So, you know, if you're direct, so like you're directing, say, Bromville or, or any film, um, and you've got one of your main actors, you've obviously you've been you're preparing, you've got all the cameras ready, you've got everyone together, you're making this film, and then your main actor turns up and say he's he's struggling for his lines, should we say. Like, how would you deal with that as a director and how frustrating could it be? And and is it does it make it a lot more time consuming and I'm just kind of interested in the um to be honest, uh, uh like I suppose it's because obviously the the script on Brumville, I wrote the script. So uh, so long as I like what they were saying, I was lenient with them. If they wanted to say something different, I'd say mm-hmm. say it different. If you're struggling with that line and you want to say this and it works, use it. Uh, I don't I don't really mind. And and I just try and relax people if they're struggling and they're forgetting their lines. I know how that can be because I've, I've done it myself sometimes. I know my lines, but I just can't get the lines out on set. And I'm feeling a bit nervous because of the, the occasion. I mean, uh, the last film I worked on, No Dog. I'd been out of the game for quite quite a while because I took a little break from acting really uh, since COVID and, and other yeah. things as well. We'll get we'll get more into that, but uh, yeah. So so I understand the pressure and and you know sometimes you need a bit of uh, you know a hand around the shoulder and just you know ease them into it, let let people warm up or whatever, let them do what they need to do. So I'm understanding that aspect because I'm an actor as well. What about um, with that? Um, and most directors kind of all right with if uh, the actors, you know, if they change the line slightly, maybe to fit more with, I don't know, the dialect or the direct, or just if something they're more comfortable with, will they be all right as long as the general premise is the same of the lines? Or will some directors be a bit more staunch in, this is how it's written, this is what you've got to say? I think I think possibly. I mean, I can't speak for... Uh... For all directors i mean of course the experience i've had with directors is they've been the directors i've worked with have always been quite open to me using lines they've never like said oh you like say if i've said a word wrong or something they've never said you can't use that word they've kind of just let me do it um mm-hmm. i think in tv i've never really done like emmerdale or curry or anything like that so i don't know maybe if in soap you've got to be more on the line because the writers and stuff might might not like it or yeah, so but by my experience, the directors have always been okay. Or if they've not liked something, they've never been like, Argh. they've just said, uh, okay, mate, let's try it this way. They've tried to give me their vision and they break it down for me. And I, that's what I love. I love it when a director comes and, and, and breaks it down and proper tells me his vision and what he wants. I love that, man. I really like that. That's that's what I love when that's, I work with that, director, man. That's the human side of things, isn't it? Where someone takes the time to explain, to try and explain their vision for it to you like they're trying they're not only trying to help you but they're also trying to create their vision of what they want the film to be and i and think what they want me to be as well in it, i suppose yeah. as well yeah and i think this is my thing with all, all people is i think sometimes um people can use lose their the, the human side of things and like you've got to remember that people aren't robots are they like you said earlier like People are not robots, so sometimes you've got to, you know, you might need to take a minute to 
just to explain something to someone or to help them along. But by taking that minute or two to, to help them along and to help them feel relaxed, you're going to get a better performance out of them in the next two hours because they're going to be more relaxed and remember their lines or give a better performance, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, not just an acting. And I think there's something to be said for that, like um, just the human side of things, I guess. Um, we had a, a question sent in. Um, it's like a reoccurring question for this series in some ways. Um, the, the, so there's two ways. One is um, who's the biggest knobhead you've met in TV and film? Um, which you don't have to answer a name, or we always say that. Like, but um, the, the, he asks the same question to everyone, whether they're footballers or films or whatever. So, who's, uh, if there's anyone who come you've come across who was particularly up their own ass, should we say? Um, and also, uh, his other question was, who's the most famous person in your film? Um, in, in regards to the first question, uh, I'd never publicly out someone and say, oh, he's a knobhead. That's just not my yeah. style, really. I, I'm not really that type of person. If I got a problem with someone, I'd say it to their face. I wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, just yeah, not I me. Do, yeah. Um, I, I just, I couldn't do that. Um, the second, the second question, famous person in my phone. Just trying to think. I've got a few. <laughs> um... I don't really want to name drop, to be honest. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm not really like. Uh, they're going to be A-listers. That's why I reckon now because I'm, he won't say they're definitely A-listers. I, I don't really. Uh, for me, I don't. I don't like when I was a kid. Yes, and when I first started, I don't really put A-listers or whatever on a pedestal. No, only someone like Arnold, really. That's that's only someone I will put on a pedestal. Anyone else, they're just a person to me now. I don't really see them as celebrities, and they don't, they don't bother me if you know what I mean. So. 100%. I don't really hold him in a high regard. I just see him on the same level as me, really. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> it's this weird thing, though, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, I think up until probably about three years ago, there was footballers and people who I would like think, no, I wouldn't, you know, I was a, like 37, 36 year old man. Like, I wasn't like fanboy, fanboy, and over these people, but like to a certain extent, they were on a pedestal because they were on TV and they were famous and this, that, and the other. And then as I've interviewed all these people now and I'm friends with some of them and I'm kind of chatting away and I'll speak to them on a daily basis and whatever. It's just like, you know, they're just people, they're just people with the same problems as us. It's just, yeah. they happen to be good at X, Y, and Z. Um, it's just one of those things, isn't it? But it is weird how you, at least it was for me, how my, perspective changed in quite a short space of time from like I, I remember in my, a few of my earlier interviews and podcasts I did I would get quite nervous about speaking to people mm. um and now I'm like well you've seen what I was like before we started recording don't shut up just talk <laughs> yeah just I was talk. the same I was rabbiting on as well but I, I agree with you it's, I mean it's like um Oh, I lost where I was now. I was about nowhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, just um, when when you work with you know celebrities, top top actors or whatever, they don't want you to be all. Uh, do you know what I mean? They don't want you all trying to hug them and take a photo with them. Yeah. If, if you just chat to them normal and treat them as a normal person, that they'll just chat to you and they'll get they'll probably get on with you better as well. Do you know what I mean? So that that's 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 the way I would rather it 
I wouldn't want to. I mean, Arnold, yeah, I probably would. Like, I mean, I've had a photo with Arnold already anyway, but like, yeah, when you see someone like that, you do get a bit, especially when they've motivated you to achieve your goal. Like I said, I read his book and that's that's what got me into acting, like got me in the industry. So, so I've got to hold him on a high regard, most definitely. So is he the one? Is he? He's just like the one celebrity where you're a bit like, yeah. I wouldn't still be like, oh, you know what I mean, like, like all, you know, stop. But I would, I would definitely put him on a higher pedestal because of his work rate as well, just what he's achieved. I just, I just really admire his work rate and what he set out to do and how he smashed everything he put his mind to. I just, I love people who graft and just, you know, he, um, stuck in. I think he was the the rock of the nineteen eighties, if you get what I mean, like in yeah. terms of his work rate. Like, if ever there was someone like who's like we were just talking about if you want to do something just do it just do it if you want to make something do it make it whatever make it happen like people like the rock and arnold schwarzenegger are massive examples of that like you've got x amount of hours or whatever in the day if you want to do something then go do it put the work in and it'll come eventually um and of course look i'm not just saying if you want to do something, they do it, and then it'll happen overnight. It takes time and it takes hard work, and there's days where it's demoralizing and yeah. hard. And like for me personally, like I'm in a period at the moment where I'm finding it hard because a couple of things have fallen through, and it's been like, oh, and it's it's difficult to to deal with that because you like you feel. So maybe I'm, I don't know if everyone feels like this, but like, so I've had a couple of opportunities come up recently, which I was like, right, if we can get these over the line, this is going to be like life changing for me and, and my family and stuff like that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to really like change things for the mm. better. And then right at the last minute, they've kind of fallen through. But the reason I get so down and I find it difficult is because in the build-up when you're discussing it and it's hard not to think about or oh, when this happens i'll be able to do this and this and you're already planning like in your head you're already doing things before you've got it over the line and look I, i'm a human being at the end of the day and i'm work like i'm trying to work towards certain things so of course when i get the opportunity to do some of those things i get a bit excited and because that's what it is, isn't it? But like, yeah, it's, it is hard. How do you deal with the kind of the ups and the downs of things over the years? To be honest with you, um, after Brumville, that was one of the hardest, stressfulest points in my life. Mm. Um, when I released that film, I never wanted to make another film again. Honestly, the the pressure and really? the stress from that. Yeah, honestly. Um, and I took a long break. It's only recently I've come back into acting, really. To be honest, I was done. I was out of the industry. I was finished. I, I, I didn't want to do it no more. I just, I lost the hunger for it, the drive, everything. I just wasn't interested. Um, and it felt like every time, every time I was like, you know, just moving away and getting further and further away, something pulled me back. Like I ended up doing the short film uh, with, with Todd, my friend Todd Von Joel, shout out to him. Uh, yeah, and I, I speak to him a lot as well. Um, we chat about a lot of stuff. We've got a lot in common. Um, kept in touch with a lot of people in the industry as well, but I just wasn't interested in doing nothing for a while. Uh, I still loved acting, but I just didn't want to do anything. And uh, I just got out of shape as well with lockdown and stuff like that. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being overweight, but 
for me, I don't like being overweight. I want to be in shape and take care of myself. And because I was out of shape eating all the time, I was drinking whiskey as well, smoking cannabis. Um, I was just in, in the dumps, really. I just felt crap in myself. I felt like, I felt how Tyson Fury says he felt, that's how I felt. I didn't feel suicidal, but I felt worthless. So I, I, didn't, I thought, where's, where's Grant Reese Murphy, the, the chap who used to be driven, ambitious? Where's he gone? Just it was it was there, but it wasn't showing. Mm. It was inside, deep inside, tucked away. I like and look, COVID was difficult for all of us. When it? it was difficult for everyone, and it's um, I think in some ways people are finding it almost harder now as we're coming out of it because you're dealing with the aftermath of it, aren't you? So yeah. there's people who are in the same boat as like what you were saying, like they've put on. They'd have put on weight or they've been drinking too much or and the problem is is particularly if you've been someone who's worked from home for the last two years you're used to not going out yeah if you're someone who drinks at home as well you're used to not going out working from home drinking at home drinking maybe every day instead of just on the weekend because you haven't got to get up and drive to work so whereas like someone might have not drinking the weekdays because you know, they got to get up and go to work and stuff the next day because I know a few people who would like, because they were working from home, they they were having like four, five, six cans in a weekday. And before you know it, you do that for, you know, any extension, extended length of time. Not only are you putting on weight, but your body is getting used to having that amount of alcohol yeah, all the time. And then when I say with people are dealing with the aftermath now is as things get back to normal, I, I know a couple of people who are kind of struggling a bit with, well, I don't want to drink now in the week because I've got to get up and drive an hour to work or whatever, but they're used to it and they're, they're finding it very difficult to fill their time and they're trying to do it. And then I know one person who I won't name, but like she's really struggling with the anxiety of going out because she's been in the house for two years, pretty much not really going anywhere. The only place she'd go is to the shop quite often she would send her husband or whatever, or one of her kids. And like, she's finding it so difficult now because, you know, work is saying, right, it's time to come back to the office and she wants to work from home. And it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's affected so many different people in different ways. And I think sometimes people just think it's over now, but actually there's, there's an aftermath of people's, yeah, dealing with it and 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 then you know i'm not even talking like the financial side of things where petrol and everything's so expensive people have lost businesses over i mean i'm sure you know many businesses which went under like i know yeah. loads of people friends um local businesses who just went under in covid because they just could not keep going there was no way to you know they just couldn't um how like what brought you said things sucked you back in when you were kind of you were drinking the whiskey and you were smoking and you were kind of out of it like were you feel were you was your mental health in the toilet as well or were you kind of was it more i'm out of it i'm just going to enjoy stuff and and like where were you sort of mentally at that point you said you were a bit feeling like a bit like like what tyson was feeling um how did you deal with that in terms of getting past it to be honest with you um it's still something i struggle with really i'm not i'm not fully past it i'm just in a better place than what i was um 
Uh, I can remember uh, when the gyms open back up and stuff. Obviously, I, I'm, I, I do MMA. Um, I go to the gym. Uh, I'm quite I'm quite a fit individual, normal, individual uh, normally. And I hated not being able to train. I couldn't be bothered to train at home. I just didn't feel like it. Um, so I started listening to, there's a, there's a Tyson Fury motivational video on YouTube. And it's just Tyson talking about when he was in his dark days. And it's got lovely music in the background as well. And, and I just listened to it. And, and to be honest with you, it just, it just gives you shivers inside. You just hear him talking and what he's saying, you feel exactly how, how he feels. Like it's just, it just hits you so much and you listen to it. And you, when you see what he's done, it just, it spurs you on. And, um, I'd listen to it and I'd just, I'd get up. This is when the gym's back open. Pure gym is 24 hours. So four o'clock in the morning, I'd be, I'd be awake, staying up late. And I'd, I'd just go and train. I'd listen to that. I'd be on the running machine. And, I, and I'd just speak to myself saying, I'm, I'm going to get back. It's not over. Like, like, I'm not done. I'm just in a bad place. Um, stuff like that is, yeah, is, is what got me, got me through it, really. Listening to stuff like that and training. It just makes you feel better in yourself, doesn't it, really? You say you um you do MMA. Do you just do that as like a like a training thing type thing? Is it to keep fit and that or something? Yeah, I mean, I'd, like I'd, I'd, I I wouldn't want to be a professional or anything like that. I, I definitely no, want I mean, to like, do fights. Have done any fights and stuff? No, I've just sparred, but I don't wear a, I don't wear a head guard normally when I spar. So yeah, I've been kicked in the head a few times. <laughs> oh, mate, you gotta wear a head guard, otherwise you'll be forgetting your lines, mate. My Definitely. my my instructor doesn't want us to wear one. He's like he, he's he's like don't bother, get kicked in the head. It's all right. Um, but now uh, I, I do I did want to me and my friend uh, when I was working in an engineering, uh, probably about three four years ago now, no three years. Uh, he does MMA as well. And uh, he's lighter than me. I think he's about twelve and a half stone. We're both gonna have a have a fight on the same card, just in different weight classes. That was the yeah. plan, and then then COVID it, so we never managed to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't gone for a while. Um, I need to get back into MMA. Actually, it's more gym I've been doing recently. So yeah, so, hopefully, I'd like to have a few scraps. Maybe that is something which can help you, like focus, as you as you said, like you're still. Like you're on the in still in the process of kind of dealing with that sort of mental health side of things. Maybe having that focus of a you know I wanted I wanted to do a fight I was gonna do a fight mm. and getting back into it that way that can be a good drive for people sometimes. Kind of is having that that aim or that focus. And I think I could definitely understand it. Like I think um, if it wasn't for, the, for my physical health problems, I definitely would have done like MMA training and stuff like that because I love watching it. I'm so passionate about it and. A lot of my friends are like pro fighters and stuff. And obviously Danny, who I do the boxing and MMA podcast, is a former world champion. So it's like I'm around it a lot. And um, I speak to a lot of fighters and boxers in the studio and stuff. And like tomorrow I've got um, an episode of this coming out with uh, Gary Lockett, who's a former, you know, former champion boxer. And he trains like some of the biggest names in the game if we're chain in boxing and MMA and like he it just like spending an hour with him and listening to his like motivation and his um intensity and stuff like that was like a real treat for me even if I wasn't a fight fan I think I would have found it like really fascinating but like such an interesting character um and I think like boxing and MMA as a fitness thing is something which can be really good for for anyone um i recommend it i think to anyone 
Um, so speak to me, speak to me a little bit about pre-COVID and um, and Brumville. Like, how did Brumville become a reality? Like, take me through the process from kind of the early thoughts about it and how it became a thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Brumville, it was always in my mind to do a film like that. I'd watched uh, Kid or I don't know if you've ever seen it, a uh, good film back in the day. Um, yeah, I always liked that type of film. So Brumville, that, that was the type of film I wanted to do, like Kid or so that was it based on. And there was bits of it based on it with people who I've knocked about with um, things I've done. I used to sell, sell weed when I was like 14, 16, something like that. Um so there was just bits bits of real stuff in there and non-fictional as well. I mean, um, back in the day, I had a friend. We, we went to um, a shopping centre and uh, uh, the friend who I was with got chased by a guy with two machetes around the bus station. So that's where the kind of machete thing come from. Um, yeah. yeah, like that's, that, that's what I'm saying. I've seen some mad stuff when I was younger. Um, and yeah, like, like stuff like that does happen. Like um, it's quite realistic, really. I've seen stuff, similar stuff like that happen. Obviously, not not like the burning on fire in the grave and stuff like that, but just just things like that. Like like I say, that my friend got chased by a guy with two machetes, and luckily the security got him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to back to going off topic there. Back to the filming. Um, I was at Rolls Royce earning good money, and uh, that was that's where I knew now I'm making good money. I've got my production company set up. Let's go. Uh, wrote the script, got it done. And um, got in touch with the Starbridge News, put out an article saying that because I wanted to work with local local actors as well. That was the aim for it, because uh, my area, the Black Country, Birmingham, there's not really like anyone really like not well. There's people broke out from around here, but there's not loads, is there? It's like Peaky Blinders, really. That like I love the show. There's brilliant actors in it, but there's no, there's not really any Birmingham actors in it, is there? Or no. Black Country actors? No. I love it, but so. I know mine's not on the level of that, but I want to do at least create opportunities or at least try to give people an opportunity. So I auditioned as many local actors as I could, tried to use as many locations as possible. And uh, yeah, just done my best, done what I could really. And uh, yeah, it took me a year to make the film and it was it was stressful trying to get actors available, the cameraman, uh, the sound, all stuff like that. Having to do a lot of, a lot of stuff myself as well. It was just a difficult process. Um, it's not something I'd like to do that way again, neither. Like, there's no way that I'd be filming over a year again like that. I'd, I'd get it done a lot quicker. That's for sure. What's the the most difficult part of it? Like, is it writing the script? Is it filming it? Is it editing it? Like, what was the most sort of stressful part of it, do you think? <laughs> Paying everyone. Mm. <laughs> that was the hardest part because I lost my job um through through uh towards the end of the film i lost my job and i had so much setback for the film and uh it was a struggle to pay everyone and it really took me ages to get through and get everyone paid and get it finished and it was it was just so stressful and like the editing was difficult because i'd never edited before until brumville i'd I'd made music i used to make music back in the day um and there's there's flaws in the edit, but I couldn't afford to hire an editor to do it, so I had to do it myself. Um, that was probably the hardest part, really. Yeah, I think um, I got so much respect for editors who like because I've done a bit myself, and I, it's 
I can do it, but you know, I'm not by any means like top level. I I can do like a passable editing, and it's yeah. all right. But like, you know, I see you see some people, and they're just so good at it, and I find it. I think part of the reason why I'd never be able to be top top draw at it is because I've got the patience to go like second by second and and do it and which you you know you've got to do and and stuff is it is definitely difficult um what were you like as a director were you bossy were you personable were you a shouter were you you know what was you like no nah. no nah, like I'm, I'm quite uh quite chilled out as a director really um but i, I like yeah i'm still the same really i haven't really changed the director i'm laid back quite easy going really um but now i'm more I know now that I need to be better with my time on my first film. I uh, spent too much time talking and just getting to know people. And I think I need to be a bit more reserved with that, really. But the problem was, because I had such a small team, um, I was having to speak to people, really. I needed a, like um, uh, a first... Because it was basically... Um, I was directing, starring in it. We had um, an associate producer who was doing like the clapperboard. Um and then, like, I'm just trying to think now who, who was assisting because it was different days. We had different people and stuff, if you know what I mean, when people couldn't yeah. be available. So because I had such a small team, I had to do a lot of the talking myself, like, and because I was producing it. I had to deal with actors, like, um, emailing about the location and stuff like that. It was just crazy. I was just having to so do too much. You literally did everything. Like, yeah, it was too much. And it was yes. just, it was stressful, like, like so... I want, like for the next film, I've already started filming that. And, um, we've just held back on that again because of funding. My next film, I want a nice team in place and, and I want specialists in jobs so I don't have to spend all my time doing this and that and just stressing myself out. And just it's just so much energy and it drains you, man. It's, it's hard. It's, it's the same with the editing. Um, my Matt kept crashing all the time when I was doing effects. The processor wasn't really the best for editing it was doable but because it was such quality footage as well it was like uh shot on a red dragon the film was so i think that was like 8k or something downscaling from that or something like that 5k yeah the mac was was hard man yeah like so it just kept crashing all the time um just speaking to speaking to the converted i've had so much problems with my computers recently they're just crashing it's um infuriating um do you know like it's interesting because a lot of the, a lot of the things you've said tonight is like um has really hit with me because like one of the problems which I've had is I try and do everything myself. So I was like editing, I was interviewing, I was doing the shows, I was setting up guests, I was setting up schedules, I was doing everything and then wondering why I was like stressing out and it had gone from something which was really enjoyable to something which was just like Oh, yeah, yeah, and my missus was like, "Yeah, it's because you're literally trying to do the equivalent of like five people's jobs, but you're doing yeah. it all yourself with health problems and all the other stuff." And it's like, "What do you expect?" And then when she kind of put it like that, it was like, "All right, okay." And I'm like, you know, I've got um, a guy which is doing my editing for me now, and I've got another guy who's doing some setting up like sponsors and stuff because I just couldn't do everything. And I think um, there's something to be said, but it's also easier. It's easy to say, yeah, I need a team. But then you've also got to find the funding for that team as well. Exactly. So like, 
it doesn't does, does not as my mother used to say i haven't got a money tree out the back garden to just... well that was like me like like i say when i lost that job it was all over i had to cut there was um there was more scenes i wanted to get in the film and i had to i had to cut actors like scenes out the film because i couldn't afford to do it and i really wanted to get more depth to like a little bit more depth in the story with more yeah. characters so but I, I couldn't afford to do it and uh you know i want to pay people so i had to do i'd done the what i could do i'd done the best i could do and i had to edit it so the story all made sense and that that was the best i could do with the money i had at the time um that film broke me like literally like the bank balance was gone uh the company had nothing that was it i mean uh the film got reviewed and uh, a while back now and the reviewer bashed the film hard and uh to be fair i think it was disgusting the review he left like like that did annoy me to be honest because i thought why don't you try and do what i've done and see if you can do any better yeah like it, um, it was crazy i don't know if, yeah i read one i think it's probably the same one and i was like it seemed a bit overboard like yeah I don't know. See, it bugs me because I think um, there's a way to criticise something, and there's a way to be just a bit of a dick. And yeah. he seemed like he was being a bit of a dick. Like I think he always does it with his reviews. To be honest, I mean, for who is he? No time for these people who've got like a shtick. <laughs> you know, like you get people who've got like a they got like their own little shtick, haven't they? Where they whether they criticise people or they. I oh, can't be doing with that at all. So if he's got a stick, that's a done. His opinion doesn't matter to me anymore. Yeah, One, same. Whatever. That's what I think, though. Just be real. And if you if you didn't enjoy it, fine. If you didn't, if you thought there was bits which could have been done better or whatever, fine. But there's a way to 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 go about yourself and conduct yourself. Be professional at the end of yeah. the day. Like if your if your job is to review stuff. Then be a professional and review it. Do it professionally, yeah. That's and that's what I think. I kind of think that about everything. Well, no matter what you're doing, no matter what it is, be professional and treat people how you would like to be treated. There's no reason why you need to be make someone feel bad or um, like you can criticize someone without being a dick. Do you know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. You can do it in a constructive way. And I, don't, I didn't think that, that... I mean, I tried to look at it as a constructive way. Some of the points he said was was a little bit valid, I guess. Um, but I just thought, did you look into the background of what what you know what budget I had and what I had to do, how many jobs I've done? Did you understand that this was the first time I've edited a film? I've never, I've never done colour grade and all this stuff before. I had to learn mm. on the job. And, yeah, <clears throat> and I mean... It's... Carry on, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, learning, I don't think um, always people appreciate, like, editing, like, you have, if you've got to, because I've done that as well, I had to teach myself, and I had to learn as I was doing it, which means you make mistakes, and you, and you, because you're learning as you're doing it. I don't think people realise sometimes quite how complex it is, and I'm sure it's even more complex for a full-end film than it is for a podcast or a video for YouTube or whatever, which is 20 minutes or whatever. Like mm. it's going to be even more complex for a film, isn't it? Cause you can have more dialogue and more effects and this, that and the other and lighting and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, he, that, it's annoyed me. That guy is now he's upset me. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say anything. I like. I couldn't be bothered. Like, because I was. I was thinking. But they said you're not supposed to tweet. Tweet the uh, reviewers. So that's why I didn't bother. So I thought, well, he's took the time to review, but I just thought. What was, what was the apart from him? We'll call him. Him. What was um? What was the general? <laughs> what was the response like from the from the people who you know who acted in the film and starred in the film? Was that positive? Their experience of working under you and with you and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on a film set, it's a stress, stressful environment. Man. There's, there's people who I probably won't work with again from, from that project. And I wouldn't name drop people. And it, I've, I've like, we've all got flaws. We've all got, you know, things we should have done better. I've probably done things I should have done better. They've probably done things they should have done better. But there is uh, some people that I'll, I'll keep in touch with from that film for the rest of my life. Um, but for me, it was a, it was a stressful project, and. Um, I don't know. I love the film, but I don't like. I don't look fondly back on the the whole process of it. I think I feel more mature as a person now as well from when from what I was when I was making that film. If that makes sense, I think I've grew as a person, and I think there's things I done wrong on that film. And um, I think we all make mistakes and we grow, don't we? I think growth is important, and and just admitting we've all made mistakes, we've gone wrong in places. We can be better in things we do. And that's something I've learned. But it was it was a good film, and and I'm grateful for everyone I got got you know involved in the film. That everyone done a fantastic job. At the end of the day, I think everyone was cast perfect. Everyone done their jobs, and we got it made. At the end of the day, like you learn from you learn more from mistakes than you'll ever learn from success. Um, and I think sometimes people forget that, like. Mm. You learn worse. You'll learn more from your worst day than you will from your best day. Um, I think. Like in terms of what you're looking to do now, like where would you like to be in five years from now? In the perfect world. That's a difficult question for me, because you know what's weird about myself. I, I I don't really know. Like I don't. I don't know if I got bipolar or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. I have like phases. It's like I want to do something, and then I want to do something else. Mm. So what? I, I don't really know. It's like this whole podcast scene. I'm liking podcasts and stuff now. Like I'm. I'm watching loads lately. I've really got into it. Um, I wouldn't even mind doing a little podcast here and there, but like, I don't know. I want. I still want to act. I still want to make films. I want to jump on podcasts. I want to just be busy, really. I just want to be active and keeping busy. I don't want to be recluse in my house again, like I was before, because that's not good for the mindset. And I just want to be creative, man. Um, I always say, who knows if I'm going to be here in five years' time? Who knows if I'm going to be here tomorrow? We we don't know, do we, unfortunately? Oh, yes. um, tomorrow's never promised, so I always live for the present. I don't really look ahead. I just live for the now, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. I um, Well, like I discussed with you, like what's happened over the weekend sort of with us and stuff and you just don't know what's around the corner mate and i am um, i say a lot to, to my friends and stuff like just do what you want to do be with who you want to be with tell the people you care about that you care about them because you don't know what's around the corner you you just don't know um and unfortunately for me like i've experienced that tenfold and quite a lot where things have been taken away from you out of the blue yeah um, and people have been taken away, and it's 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 heartbreaking, but it, it it also like 
it kind of toughens you up a little bit towards life, but it also yeah. can make you more. Um, like I tell my kids that I love them, I think much more than I probably would if I hadn't been through and lost the people I had lost over the years. That sounds really weird, but just because of the way my dad was with me before he died, like I think I would have been quite the same sort of maybe not talked about my feelings and this, that, and the other. Whereas because I've lost so many people over the years, I'm very keen to make sure that my wife or my kids and that, do you know, does that make sense? It's, um, yeah, it's weird. And I think there's something to be said for just really doing whatever it is you want to do and chasing it and, and the people and, and everything just because you just don't know what's around the corner. Um, <clears throat> and interestingly, the uh, the final question of this podcast, as always, is going to kind of tie up nicely into that. Um, and that is uh, Grant Murphy, or Grant Reese Murphy, sorry, mate. I apologise. Uh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, what is the meaning of life? For me, life's beautiful, man. And I think, uh, you know, what annoys me is like, um, I love the internet, but I just think, so many people bash people on the internet for doing little things or something when they've done those things themselves. And I think life is about learning and growing. I've made mistakes in life. I've done things that I wish I wouldn't have done and I wish I could take them back, but I can't change what I've done. I can apologize for what I've done and show that I'm growing as a person and I'm not that person I used to be. We can't take back what we've done, can we? Like we've all made mistakes in life and no one's a perfect human being and everyone's trying to be too perfect today. And I think we've all just got to live life, enjoy it, try and get on with everyone, try and be respectful and just live, man, because tomorrow's never promised, is it? 100% mate. And yeah, show me someone who's never made a mistake and I'll show you a liar. Exactly. Um, uh, listen mate it's been an absolute pleasure i really really enjoyed chatting and that hour and sort of 10 minutes or 15 minutes has really uh flown by mate likewise um, and you are most definitely welcome to come back on mate and if you um if you do look look if you're looking to get into the podcast scene mate i'm always looking to add series to my uh collection so um yeah hit me up mate anytime um whether you want to do something like in person or over the internet um I'm always open to discussions, but um, I'll link all your stuff. Guys, please do check out um, Brumville on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's a good watch. It's uh, enjoyable. And I think um, I think if you enjoy things like Layer Cake and and um, I think also like Adulthood and Kiddlehood and those, those films, I think you'll enjoy this. It's a good, gritty British film. Um, and I want also for people to support British British writers, actors, filmmakers, because there's so much talent out there, both behind the camera and in front of the camera, that are not getting the attention they deserve. And by the way, just lastly, by the way, mate, um, apart from we talked more, more about <clears throat> uh, you directing the film, just very quickly, I thought your performance in the film was real good. Um, Thank you. I was really, really impressed with it. How long did it take you to shave that beard in the film? With those patterns, <laughs> that, I, I didn't do that myself. I hate shaving, and I struggle whenever I want to try and like shape anything of my beard, sideburns, whatever. I just cock it up, and I end up clean shaven. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it. Um, I didn't do it myself. 
Um, had it done in a hairdresser's, to be fair. They'd done it quick, like 10 minutes, I think it was, something like that. The plan originally was to have patterns in the hair and patterns all through the beard and stuff. But because of how much money it would have cost and how, how I'd have had to keep like trying to get consistency and stuff, it was a nightmare. So that's why in, at the start of the film, it says I started to lose the gold, lose the patterns. And of course, I discovered yeah. this. Yeah, because um, because obviously it was it was too much hassle getting the patterns oh, yeah. in the film and stuff. Imagine trying um, to keep the continuity. For like yeah, that's what I mean. Thing. And obviously, because I was having to like go over to the cameraman, check the monitor. I didn't really have a chance to play back stuff and all that stuff. So I had to kind of ask him to help me out to, in regards to continuity and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a nightmare that, can't lie. Um, yeah, guys, check it out. It's a good, it's a good watch. And um, I definitely recommend it. Um, Grant, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I really enjoyed that. Um, Not as I say, keep in touch, mate. Um, you've got my number. So, yeah, just keep in touch, mate. Um, guys, check out Grant's stuff. Make sure you uh, check out uh, Brumville. And uh, I'll link all Grant's social media and stuff underneath the description. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday for another episode of My Story. Check out the previous episodes, of course with various guests from various industries. And, of course, uh, we have live shows every Thursday, Sunday, Patreon shows, the lot. There's so many to go, enough to go around for everyone. Um, But in the meantime, we bid you farewell. Podcast Network.